This is the Michigan Business Network. Thanks for tuning in to Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Verschereau, and sometimes we have an opportunity to talk to really, truly national leaders and thought provokers that are out there pressing the edge of the envelope, trying to come up with some great thoughts and different ideas for us in the whole leadership realm. I have two of my favorites that we've had before on the show, and I'd like to welcome them back. It's Karen Hurt and David Dye. Welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having us. Such a pleasure. Yeah, it's great. And of course, just to make sure everybody knows kind of some of the leadership roles there, Karen is the CEO and David is the president of an organization called Let's Grow Leaders, which I think is amazing. But one of the works that they do is not only working in terms of consulting and platform speeches, but they also have done some great work and some books. Karen, you were saying just before we went on air that one of your favorite books that you guys like to talk about and have promoted in the past, what's the full name of that again? It's called Courageous Cultures, How to Build Teams of Micro-Innovators, Problem Solvers, and Customer Advocates. Well, that only fits on a hardcover book. (laughs) That's a lot of name right there. (laughs) Well, and you guys collaborated on that book together. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Well, and so I want to do this just because it's been a little while since we've had you on and you've been on individually. I'm just really excited we got you both. It's probably because we're doing this close to the holidays when we got a chance to have you guys take a breath. But I just want to maybe go all the way back to the beginning. I think you were professionals that kind of were flying in the same stratosphere and kind of bumped into each other trying to figure out how your books and how your work was going. And you kind of said, hey, I think you're pretty cool. And that's kind of developed more than than just a business relationship, right? Yeah, that's right. So back, Karen was an executive of Verizon and I was an executive of human services. And we both were trying to reach more people than what we could in a day kind of conversation. We became aware of one another through our writing online. And I remember at one point reading a human resource magazine. I was reading an article. I I don't remember submitting this to this HR magazine. And then I get to the final paragraph and there was a different spin, different life experience than I would have shared. Oh, this isn't mine. Then I look, oh, it's Karen Hurt. I know her. I know her by reputation. So I reached out and said, hey, we should collaborate on something. We're really aligned in our leadership thinking in different industries, but gosh, we should collaborate. And Karen said, yeah, let's do that at some point. And time went by. We met at a conference. I said, we got to collaborate. We attended another conference, a book writing, where we were meeting with editors and publishers, and we realized we really wanted to write a similar book. And so several months later, Karen calls me and says, hey, I'm ready to collaborate. And I said, great. On what? A white paper article? What do you think? And she says, no, let's do the book. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And so out of that collaboration came our first joint book together. We had both written individually, but our first book together was Winning Well, A Manager's Guide to Getting Results Without Losing Your Soul. Wow. So, Karen, I'll let you take the story from there. (laughs) Oh, you're throwing the love story to me. So so after writing the entire book together, David was living in Denver. I was living just outside of Washington, D.C. We realized that we had fallen in love. And so we got married, merged our businesses together. And now it's a fabulous partnership. And we really work with companies all over the world on developing, you know, very practical skills for human-centered leaders. You know, you may see it differently, but from afar, it sure looks like you're living the dream. I can't believe (laughs) that when you kind of get together on something that's as dynamic as discussing leadership and some of the principles that you guys have written and thought about and worked on. And as you think about that, man, you guys have come together in a pretty strong way. I've got to ask, I'm sure there's times when you disagree. How do you work through some of those when you go, no, that's not the way I see it. How do you fix that? 
Yeah, it was interesting because it was really hard at the beginning. So we are both used to being solopreneurs. So, you know, we were running our companies, making our own decisions, making our own editorial decisions, our keynote, how does it all go? And so we were running into some conflict. And one of the things that really made a big, big difference for us, when I would recommend this to anyone who's collaborating, whether you're in a married relationship or some other kind of partnership, is role clarity. And once we were able to say, okay, so Karen, this is your real area of expertise. This is where you're going to take lead. And David, this is where your area of expertise is and where you're going to take the lead. It really made things better. It doesn't mean that we aren't consulting one another and having conversations, but we call this and we teach this in our leadership, who owns the decision? Mm. You know, and we're very clear on who owns the decision. You know, if there's a proposal going out, if there's a marketing approach or, you know, social media or how are we going to show up with our brand, we will collaborate, but I own the decision. And if it's more operations, things, logistics, technology, you know, all of those things, which David is so good at, he owns the decision. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we'll make a decision. The other one isn't loving it. (laughs) There's one thing I'm still salty about. But, you know, at the end of the day, right, we respect the reason and that the person has the expertise in that area. And that really has made things smoother for us. I got to believe that that's a really big focus and who owns the decision was really, that's some clarity that I think a lot of organizations can use. And it's so simple. Who owns the decision? And then, of course, standing on that and everybody supporting that. If you're in that position to make that decision, then boom, people supporting you and lifting you. I think that's really fantastic. I think it's fantastic that we've got you both here on the Leadership Lowdown. We're so grateful that you're with us here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm glad you tuned in. I'm Vic Versero. We'll be right back after these messages. Stop in today or go to LaughQ.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. Welcome back to Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. And right here on the network, we've got Karen Hurt and David Dye, a husband and wife combination that are doing some fantastic things in the leadership space. They're truly national entities and authors and doing wonderful work. And I'm so honored that they would be with us today and take some time out from their busy schedule. In our last segment, we talked about who owns the decision, which I just love the simplicity of all that. But as we look at this process, Karen, David, David, tell me, are there some things that you enjoy talking about? I think one of the things I've heard about is managing and building managers as coaches. Tell me a little bit about that. You know, one of the most important elements to how they're helping people to grow and leadership isn't about having all the answers. It's about helping people to find those answers themselves. So coaching becomes a vital component of every manager 
core competencies. So we love helping leaders develop those skills. And there's some really practical ways to go about that. Yeah, so it's interesting. So one of the things that we were actually at HED, which is Association of Training Development, the big conference, we were talking about some of the work that we've done with our clients in this regard. One of our favorites is what we call challenger groups, which is in between a live online program or an in-person program with us. We then prepare managers to go back and facilitate conversations with their teams to teach the skills that they're learning in the leadership program and apply it in the work. And that has been so powerful from a sustainability perspective. And recently, we've worked to make that even more accessible because not everybody can afford to go into an in-person or live online program with us. So how do we help managers to do that well? And so we recently released what we call our Team Accelerator Program, which is a video-based program, 10 months, where a manager can watch this video with their team, learn a new skill, and then have a very easy-to-follow, step-by-step guide to having a conversation on elements that we know are so critical to high performance. So how do you get real clarity around what are your most important things? How do you establish a team vision for how you're going to operate? How are you going to work through conflict? How are you going to build trust? And at the end of the 10 months, you not only have had 10 really critical conversations with your team, you also have built skills in a common vocabulary. And people are then having building this team agreement along the way of picking one or two ways of how people like us, you know, what Seth Godin for culture says, what people like us do things like this. But you're having the, what do people like us on this team do to how do we treat each other? How do we engage one another? How do we give one another feedback? And we're finding that those are two different ways that really can help managers show up as coaches. You know what? I'm so excited about this. Honestly, what I've found in my business experience is that oftentimes we take great employees and we knight them or appoint them as managers and say, there, now go manage. And what they were good at was maybe being a developer or whatever it was, and they were just excellent at it. Great work ethic, all those great things. But they get this responsibility to lead people and to manage people. That's a different equation, isn't it? It's a totally different skill set and one that you have to invest in just like anything else. And if you're in any kind of senior leader and making decisions about who's stepping into those roles or who you're giving that responsibility, you're entrusting pretty much your most vital resource, your people, to those leaders. And so to not give them the skills and training and equipping they need to be as effective as possible really is putting yourself at a disadvantage. Well, and I think that's really the biggest concern I have is that, so then we take great employees, we give them the title, and I don't find, honestly, Karen, that there's a lot of companies that are investing in that manager development and coaching them up. And so what you guys are offering, I also thought I heard this video concept is not an event. It sounds to me more like a process of learning rather than a one-time event where we all go to a seminar, feel good, come home with our notes, and then go back to work. This sounds like something that can be reinforced through a longer process. Do I have that correct? Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's one thing that we know for sure is that leadership development works way better if it's based learning over time. And, you know, that's so you can learn something and then you apply it and you practice it and then you come back and you talk about how it went. And all of our leadership development programs are designed in that way. This Team Accelerator program is designed to be 
10 you know, very interactive conversations over 10 months. So really, you think about it like as a meeting at a box, right? As a manager, you want to invest an hour a month of really focusing on taking your team to a higher performance and accelerating your performance. You have this hour, and it's all laid out for you. You watch the video, you have the conversation, you make some agreements, and then the next time you talk about how did that go, how are we doing, then you learn the new thing. And so it's really designed to be very self-paced, not particularly time-consuming, but we've been so careful in the topics. We know these are the topics that if teams do this well, you will have higher performance. As a result of engaging in that process, 10 one-hour conversations with your team over time and the commitments that follow, your team's going to be performing at a higher level. They're going to be more connected. You'll have higher levels of trust. People are solving problems more readily with one another instead of having to bring them to you. So many of those benefits that every leader manager would want for their team. Well, and I like the notion that we're having conversations in this whole process. I think that's highly valuable, and it's highly valuable that you guys are here with us today right here on the Leadership Lowdown on the Michigan Business Network. We're going to have to take a break, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. Managing your office supplies is key to a seamlessly functioning business. With over 90,000 items available for free next day delivery and no minimum order, DBI can solve all your office supply needs from pencils to coffee at the very best value. Call DBI and ask a sales representative to show you their product offerings or visit dbiyes.com and request a product catalog. DBI does all things office, office supplies, furniture, and environments. This is the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. And right here, we have Karen Hurt and David Dye. Karen is the CEO, and David Dye is the president of Let's Grow Leaders, a dynamic organization that's working throughout businesses across America to try to help develop and procure improvement in terms of leaders and managers and just doing things in a better way. And so glad they're with us today, as I think some of the challenges... Karen, David, you guys have kind of seen it all, and we've been through some extraordinary times here. The workforce and the workplace is changing for us. What are some of your observations in terms of what's easier, what's harder, and kind of some of the challenges that you see that are forming on the horizon? One of the things that I think the pandemic did for leaders across the board is it opened the door to greater levels of vulnerability, transparency, and authenticity. You know, when we're all sitting behind a camera, that was their situation. You're sitting behind a camera and you've got life going on behind you, your cat, your kids, your sick parent, whatever it might be. And we got to see more of the authentic one another and nobody had all the answers. And so leaders who were thriving in those moments were those who were being authentic themselves, transparent themselves, and a real human being. And then also asking those questions of their team members and connecting with what was really happening there. And that's an opportunity. It led to more influence, better connection, and it's an opportunity that change the world gives us if leaders, if we can hang on to that going forward to maintain some of that authenticity, transparency, and vulnerability and be real human beings with one another, you know, to be asking those questions. And it's not just, Karen has a great example. You know, if someone says, you know, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Well, I got a new dog. I got a new puppy. 
And then, you know, that's a perfunctory question. If the leader just moves on after that, doesn't ask the logical follow-up <laughs> question. Yeah. Well, what's the logical follow-up question? Is the dog eating your underpants? <laughs> you know, it's that kind of follow-up, that kind of investment in just getting a little bit deeper with one another. That's one opportunity that the way that workplace, the way that leadership has changed, if we'll take advantage of it. I see that. You know, I think that vulnerability is so good. And I'm also seeing that the other side of things where people have joined, and I keep hearing this, like every single week, somebody is telling me the story is, you know, I joined this new company remote. I've never, ever been in the room with my coworkers. And, you know, that feels lonely. And it's harder to make connections in those ways. And so one of the things that I think is so vital is that we don't let this pendulum swing too far and say, oh, well, this is a great real estate savings. There is all of that, right? Let's just shut down our offices. If you do that, you've got to replace it with some way to bring people together so that they can still build that trust and connection as human beings. And we're huge believers in, you know, the power of, live online training, and clearly that's how we've been spending a lot of our time over the last two years. It's also been fascinating to us where we have been working with a group live online and then now have an opportunity to come and spend a day in person. How powerful that human connection is. You can see people exhale. You know, like, (laughs) oh, I needed this. I didn't realize how badly I needed this. And so that's one of my big, big fears is that we're going to have too many organizations say, well, it's a lot cheaper, it's a lot more efficient, let's not bring people together. And I think there's a deep human need for that. Well, I have to ask you this, and only got a couple minutes in this segment left, but I want to ask about culture. I'm a big culture guy. I believe that culture is the most important part of an organization because it feels like even in the toughest times, great culture can win and overcome some of those challenges. Tell me, in today's world, that culture building seems to be a different animal, doesn't it? Uh, It is different, and yet every organization has culture. And whether your people are together 100% of the time because that's the nature of your work, or if you're 100% global and remote, 98% of the time, you still have a culture. People like us do things like this. So how you invest in it, what you're building and the connectivity that you're creating, it takes intentionality and you have to go about it in different ways. But it is there. Well, and I think it's interesting because when we think about some of the culture challenges, a lot of times, I remember when I was managing an organization, good size outfit, but they were saying I wasn't seeing some of the people in our organization enough. And part of what struck me is that if we were a multi-state operation, how would you fix that? Because, you know, there's some logistics there when you get into bigger scenarios. And in today's world, it's the same thing. I think to your point, you have culture. It's all about contact and communication and really engagement. And whether that's face-to-face often or whether it's just overall being in touch with people, I think it's all part of reaching out and having that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And really, it comes down to behaviors. You could say you have values. You could say you value empowerment or curiosity or integrity or risk-taking. But what does that look like in terms of actual behaviors? And I think if you're really serious about building culture, you got to take it down to that level. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just so excited about the opportunity to kind of discuss these kind of things. And you guys are such experts. So glad you joined us right here on the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Versero with Karen Hurt and David Dye. We'll be right back.
Physicians Health Plan is local. For 35 years, we've been a part of your community, and we take pride in helping you get the coverage, care, and personal service you deserve. Go to phpmichigan.com for more information. We're the health plan that works for you. We're back here on the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. I've got Karen Hurt and David Dye with me. Karen is the CEO and David is the president of an organization called Let's Grow Leaders. And of course, one of the fun things we had a few shows ago, we had Karen on and she was talking about a book. I forget the exact name of the book, but it was about courageous leaders, courageous moments. And in that whole process, Karen, I just love that conversation because it was all about doing things and not, I guess, hiding from what needs to be said and what needs to be done. Can you kind of give us the quick overview of what that book was all about again? Yeah, so the book's called Courageous Cultures, and then the subtitle is How to Build Teams of Micro-Innovators, Problem Solvers, and Customer Advocates. And, you know, David and I got really curious about this concept because we were working with senior leaders across a variety of industries all over the world, and we were hearing people say things like, yeah, you know, I just don't know why people don't speak up and share their ideas. It's so frustrating to me. Why am I the one that discovers the best practice in a skip-level meeting? And meanwhile, why aren't they sharing these things with one another? And then we would go into, you know, training at the front line of these very same organizations. And we would hear things like, nobody really wants my ideas. My manager operates around the way, you know, this is the <laughs> way we've always done it. Yeah. You know, and we thought, are you working for the same company? So we did some pretty extensive quantitative and qualitative research in conjunction with the University of North Colorado to figure out when people were holding back ideas, what kinds of ideas were they holding back? Mm. And they weren't trivial. It wasn't like, oh, I wish we had kombucha in the break room. <laughs> you know, they were holding back serious ideas to improve the customer experience, the employee experience or productivity in a process. And then we did research to find out why they were holding back those ideas. And, you know, 40% lacked the confidence to share their ideas. 49% ironically said they've never asked for their ideas. 50% said nothing will ever happen. So that's where this book is out to solve that problem. Wow. To help managers create an environment where it feels comfortable and not only safe to speak up, but that is the expectation that you're going to share your ideas and solve problems and raise concerns and innovate for your customers. Yeah, you know, that is the culture and tools that if you are an employee with an idea, to have more confidence to be able to speak up and share them. Well, Karen, I'm hearing is that the answers in many ways to some of the most vexing challenges for companies is sitting right there in the break room or right in front of you at a cubicle or within your realm and nobody's asking. I find that incredible. David, what were your thoughts when you discovered that little tidbit of truth? Yeah, it's so fascinating. It took me back to a moment in my career where I had a conversation. We were solving a health insurance issue going forward, rates of raise, what we're going to do. And the CEO, the CFO, and I all came up with a great solution, or so we thought. I wandered <laughs> by another member of the senior team, happened to mention, hey, we've got this licked. Here's our solution. And she said, oh, that's interesting. Well, here's a thought. Here's a consequence of that. And here's how that would affect so-and-so. And this would work this way. And oh, and back to the drawing board we went. Oh, my. And we would never have known if I hadn't have accidentally asked. And so people have ideas, you know, we'll hear from leaders all the time. Hey, I've got an open door. Everybody knows they can bring me any idea they want. Well, the problem with the open door is that it's passive. 
Mm. And people have to take initiative. They have to stop what they're doing and take energy to walk through that metaphoric open door. And they might not know that they've got a good idea to share until you ask. And so, yes, if you've got a hundred person or a thousand or a 10,000 person company, wouldn't it be better to have 10,000 brains working on solving problems <laughs> than just four or five? Let me play a home movie real quick with you. One of the things that our corporate team decided to do, we got to talking about where we could go and trying to get a suggestion box of whatever, you know, asking. And so we created that. And one of our skill sets was that we wanted to make sure that everybody got a response to any of the suggestions or questions that they asked within a timely manner. And it was well thought out, everything else. But what we found is that we got so much that we were overwhelmed. And so isn't it interesting because it kind of validates what you're talking about. There's a lot of people that have lots of ideas and different concepts and thoughts, but getting that in the hopper and being able to work it through the process so you can deal with it. Do you have any thoughts on what happens when you do ask and you're overwhelmed? I'll let David answer this one because this is his favorite topic. Uh, Well, A, I got to high five, celebrate the fact that you're trying to get a response back to everybody. Because the worst thing we can do is ask for input and then it goes into a black hole. Nobody hears anything and it reinforces all those negative feelings they had, which aren't true. You do want their ideas. And so what do we do? Well, if you're in a situation of overwhelm like that, one of the things that comes to mind is batching them. Maybe I can't do an individual response. I've got a thousand different ideas here. But can I batch them? Because odds are you're going to have 50 or 100 that are in the same ballpark. And so once a month, maybe we categorize and say, hey, we've got this set of ideas coming in. Let's respond to those. And then mm. when you respond, whether you're doing it individually or in a batch situation, you've got four possibilities of that idea. And we call this respond with regard. So it's I'm going to answer with gratitude, information, and an invitation. The gratitude is thanks for contributing. May or may not be able to use the idea, but thank you for thinking about how we can get better. Then I'm going to add some information, and then I'm going to invite people to continue contributing. And the information that I'm going to add in that second step depends on the kind of idea. If I can use it, great. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to trial it, how we're going to test it. If it's not exactly thought through, maybe I need to give them some other information. Hey, listen, there's some kernel of an idea here, and here's some other strategic priorities, some external supplier issues or whatever it is. Love to get your thoughts about what we could do with that information in mind. Then there's, hey, we're already doing this. This happens quite a bit. They just weren't aware. Here's where you can learn more. (laughs) Right, right. And then the fourth and final category is sometimes we can't use the idea. Hey, listen, we've got several ideas suggesting that we do this. So listen, we're not going to be able to do that. And here's why. Our strategy, our line, our priority is going this direction. And this would take us over here. Now, if we were going over there, there's some merit here, but we're not. And so we need to stay focused over here. And I'd love to get your thoughts mm. on how we can do this. Wow. That's really good stuff. We're out of time on this segment, but wow, such a rich context and a great way to deal with people to make them feel valued. And you sure are doing that for us today. Thanks, Karen and David, for being with us here on the Leadership Lowdown. We're going to go pay some bills and come right back. Sinair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sinair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sinair.com. Michigan, 
And we're back here on the Leadership Lowdown with the Michigan Business Network right here in your ear and in our ear and on our end of our line is Karen Hurt and David Dye, CEO and President of Let's Grow Leaders. And so in our last segment, we were talking about some of what I think is really cool stuff, which is employee engagement and engagement with people that are bringing their brain to work, but nobody's asking them to engage it. Of course, David, you were going over some of the concepts of trying to find ways to make people feel pretty good about offering up suggestions. I love your thoughts. Do you have anything else you want to add to that segment when we ran out of time? We wrapped it up well. That process of responding with regard is a great way to ensure momentum and keep ideas flowing. and People feel heard. Yeah. And I think that's the whole thing is about asking people and helping people feel heard. One of the things that you talked about, I think in my mind, was the direction where somebody has an idea, might take the company a little different direction. That's not where we're going. It's not strategically aligned. Part of what I think is being able to talk to people about that vision of where the company is going and what it wants to get done and having the clarity. Do you have some ideas in terms of how to get upper level management not only on the same page together in that direction, but then communicating that back out to the employees that are there inside the organization? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. One of the most frequent calls that we get when people say, hey, I want to do some leadership training. And we say, you know, what does success look like? What do you want? I need my people to think critically. They're just not strategic thinkers. And when we dig underneath in this discovery process to build the training for them, one of the things we often learn is they just haven't been given enough context to be strategic. It's not that they lack critical thinking skills necessarily. It's that they don't really understand the most important strategic priorities. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as we were testing our Courageous Cultures tools and techniques, you know, as we were writing the book, one of the things that we did was took some of the tools and said, okay, bring us any ideas that you think would improve the business. (laughs) And then we would say, okay, you know, here's where we really need an idea. We need a great idea about this you know, retaining key talent or diversity, equity, and inclusion, or, you know, something that was more specific. And what we found is that the more specific that you can get, that is where the real quality of the ideas come in. And so one of the things we've been doing with organizations over the last couple of years is going in and bringing a group of employees together. In fact, we just got back from Switzerland working with Nestle on this. And, you know, we took Four different strategic initiatives, areas that they hadn't necessarily quite figured it out, but were absolutely mission critical to their business. And then we gave them to teams, these four strategic areas, and then took them through our process. We have an own the ugly process, which is four strategic questions you ask. Then we have an idea methodology where you really vet your ideas and break them down and think them through. And it was amazing the level of quality of the ideas that in a couple of hours, this group of managers was able to come up with because they were given a specific task to think about and then they were given some critical thinking tools to be able to do that easily. Wow. And of course, isn't it interesting? If I understand what you just shared with us is that it wasn't that they lacked critical thinking skills, but they lacked being in a position where they could have that opportunity to really be thinking about some of those most important issues and directions. Isn't that kind of part of what, maybe it's part of what management's trying to do is help engage them in those processes. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that we talk about is, you know, what are your most important things, your most important strategic priorities at an organizational level or at a team level? 
And then what are the initiatives that you're working on to accomplish those? And then what are the daily behaviors you need to do to make that happen? Mm. And where we see this breakdown quite frequently is, you know, people will communicate their strategic priorities, but they're not making it tangible. You know, so if customer service is our, you know, most important value, right, we're going to really create a best-in-class customer experience. That's one of our most important things. Does the person who is answering your phones, does the person who is dealing with complaints, do they know what that means for them? Like, mm-hmm. what are the behaviors that they need to do to make that happen? Or it's easy to say, you know, hey, we're going to treat each other with empathy around here. What does that actually mean? You know, because those things can feel very nebulous. So we spend a good bit of time when we're working, doing culture work with people, is making them really think about that from a behavioral level. Well, Karen, that's just a brilliant set of questions right there, what you just presented to us. Because I think from my standpoint, I'm thinking about my management role. And sometimes I'm thinking about maybe top line direction that I'm going. But have I given some thought to what that looks like at the most basic levels of my organization? And I think what you just did is you brought that complicated top line visionary stuff and you brought it full circle to say, but wait a minute, how are we applying it on a daily basis? That's pretty powerful. I think that's good stuff. David, anything you want to add to that? The piece I would add is exactly as you're continuing that cascading and that thinking through and that communication process, one of the things to be listening for are where people start having conflicts and frustrations and frictions. And leaders will often just be frustrated by that and say, just get it done. Why can't you figure this out? And often we have unintentionally created things that are in opposition to one another. And we really need to listen with curiosity to help people solve and figure out, Mm. is this a personal issue or is this a systemic issue or a culture issue that I need to take responsibility for? Well, I have to tell you, I'm in awe of both of you folks. I'm so glad you're here with us on the Leadership Lowdown. So glad you tuned into the Michigan Business Network. This is Vic Vercherow with Karen Hurt and David Dye. We'll be right back. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer legal counsel to businesses, families, individuals, and municipalities throughout Michigan with offices in Lansing, Farmington Hills, Grand Rapids, Detroit, Marquette, and Holland. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com. We're back in our final segment right here on the Michigan Business Network with the Leadership Lowdown. We have Karen Hurt, David Dye, a couple of leadership experts. We're so honored and grateful that they took time to be with us today. And of course, you know, as we fly through these segments and get all of this great information flowing, one of the things I always want to do is let me just ask you, Karen, David, I'll ask you the same. What's the one message for leaders that maybe you could boil everything down and you'd like to leave them with today? Karen, go ahead. You know, one of the things is I think it's easy to get very frustrated with the managers or the people that you're working with and say, why can't they do this different? Why can't they be better? Why am I suffering in this way? And, you know, one of the things I would say is, you know, you really can learn as much from a bad boss as a good boss. (laughs) And, you know, I think as my leadership philosophy, my leadership approach has emerged over the years, a lot of what I have come to really value is I experienced something toxic 
And I'm like, I'm never going to treat somebody like that. Mm, right. And so, you know, don't waste a good mad, right? So if you are really <laughs> frustrated, learn from that and say, okay, how do I do that differently? Yeah. Boy, that's strong. And I think we've all had those bad boss moments. And I can remember Karen saying exactly that. If I ever get in a leadership position, I will never do that. And by the grace of God, I hope I haven't, but never say never. But hey, David, tell me your thoughts. I think the final thought I want to leave with is that as you're thinking about whatever your role in the organization might be, you have more ability and power to act than you might think. And the key to unlocking that, I think, is curiosity. And so I'm thinking back to a time where my CEO was doing a marketing project, this activity that I had some integrity issues with without going into all the details. And I raised my hand and said, listen, I've got some integrity issues. I'm not comfortable with this. And I was not astute. I was not elegant in how I approached it. But he said, okay, David, I hear what you're saying. How can we make this work for you? Because business-wise, we need to do this. But how can we make this work for you? And what a brilliant question. Yeah. it opened the door and I said, oh, well, let's just tell the person that this is a demonstration that it's not the actual thing because of XYZ circumstance. Solve the problem. And we got the thing and everything worked out and I was comfortable with it. And so when we can show up with curiosity and ask those how can we questions and look deeper and find out where people are coming from, there's so much more than just our narrow limited perspective if we'll take the time mm. and be willing to experience the discomfort of asking the questions. Isn't that interesting? You know, and when you think about the whole issue, what I've learned, and and there's so much to learn from you both, but what I learned today is honestly having the conversations and making sure that you value those around you. I think the big thing is that, uh, you know, my takeaway is every company has culture. It might be what you created. It might not be what you created, but either way, you're responsible for it and you can have impact on that. I think there's people with answers and solutions and fantastic ideas that are bringing their lunchbox to work every single day and you have an opportunity to engage them and lift them from that obscure responsibility and give them a chance for real serious impact. Man, that's special. That's really something that can change people's lives and do something really meaningful for people. And that's really what I believe that Let's Grow Leaders is all about, is doing something meaningful and giving people a chance to impact the world that they're in. So when I think about that, look, uh, there's going to be be a lot of leaders that are going, I need some of what those folks are putting out there. So how on earth do people get a hold of you guys? How do they contact and figure out services that you guys could do to help their companies? Where do we start? Yeah, so our website is letsgrowleaders.com. And we have a blog there. We are putting out so much content every single week between the blog. David has a podcast called Leadership Without Losing Your Soul. I run a show on LinkedIn called Asking for a Friend. You can find any of that just starting with letsgrowleaders.com. And you can connect with us on LinkedIn. I am Karen with an I, K-A-R-I-N, yeah. and David M. Dye. We'd love to connect that way as well. Again, our book, Courageous Cultures, How to Build Teams of Micro-Innovators, Problem Solvers, and Customer Advocates. Now, Karen, do we go to the website to get that book or all your other books, or are there other options? 
Oh, yeah. All the books are available on Amazon or anywhere that books are sold. So just, you know, Google Courageous Cultures or go to Amazon and be right there. Well, and I just want to say thank you. I honestly, we've had you guys back on so many different occasions. I learned something every single time. And I think it's because of the rich content that you guys continue to develop. You guys are not just speakers or authorities. You're researchers and you've got your own personal experiences you're drawing from. And so it's just an amazing amount of knowledge and skill sets that you guys bring to the table. And I want to humbly say thank you to both of you for spending time with us today. You guys are the best, and I'm just so grateful. So thank you. Oh, it's absolutely always a joy to talk with you, Vic. You're just a lovely human-centered leader and a kindred spirit, and we really appreciate the conversation. Love what you're doing to help leaders, Vic. Thank you. So grateful for you guys. So grateful for the Leadership Lowdown audience out there on the Michigan Business Network. Glad you tuned in. Can't wait to talk to you next time.